remember so much about the day. My roommate driving me to the airport, and we were listening to Lenny Kravitz. It was the Are You Gonna Go My Way album. It was a light rain. Just thinking, this is unbelievable. I'm actually going to the place that drafted me. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's another edition of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wobschel, inside TCO Studios at Winter Park. Excited to bring you an episode of Skull Stories tonight that includes former Vikings running back Robert Smith. We had a great conversation with him earlier in the year, and we're going to share it with you tonight. He was always a fan favorite, a very productive member of the Minnesota Vikings, a member of that 1998 team that so many of you remember. But before we take a stroll down memory lane with Robert Smith, let's talk about this current Minnesota Vikings team. Another victory on Sunday for the Vikings. They beat the Washington Redskins 38-30, to fresh off their bye. Five straight wins for your Minnesota Vikings. They climb to 7-2. and They maintain their spot atop the NFC North standings. The Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions feverishly chasing the Minnesota Vikings. They both won last weekend as well, so it's going to set up a really exciting finish to the 2017 regular season and really an entire NFC that right now is wide open and has a lot of teams with really good records. So lots of fun right now in the NFC and the Vikings are right in the thick of it thanks to this five-game winning streak. And how about Adam Thielen? Continues to star week in and week out. Eight catches, 166 yards on Sunday against the Redskins. That included a seven-yard touchdown. Adam Thielen had himself a day. That's the current team. Let's talk about some teams in the past, and we're going to do that with Robert Smith. We're going to get into his days as a Viking later on in Skull Stories. But in the first part of the conversation, we're going to talk to Robert Smith about his days at Ohio State and his days running track, not just playing football. Robert Smith one of those guys who's just good at everything. So we talk about that and so much more with Robert. Take a listen. I don't know when for you it hit you that you were going to play Division One football, but whenever that was, or maybe even before that, were you Ohio State all the way? No, I'd never, I never watched college football until I started to get recruited. So this is sophomore year in high school. Um, really junior year in high school because sophomore year was when I started to play varsity and then started to get recruited. Uh, So I really didn't watch college football until my junior year. I would watch professional football if I was watching football at all. So um, I never, it never, it never was about Ohio State all the way. I remember though, the day that I got a letter from Ohio State, it was a track letter first. And uh, I remember going and finding my brother in the school. He was at the same school <laughs> and showing him the letter. So it was, it was pretty cool in that way. But it definitely wasn't Ohio State all the way because I didn't grow up in a house that was watching Ohio State football. You know, you get so many people who went to Ohio State, are fans of Ohio State. They're very prideful in, in that this is their team and their program. Do you recognize that? Do you feel that same way? And just talk about the Ohio State experience for people. Yeah, well, it's it's changed a lot for me over the years because I think, you know, not growing up around it, it it was almost that I was more focused on the task of becoming the player as as I was thinking about the tradition. Uh, and, you know, it's it's interesting that tr- the state track meets were, were held there at Ohio State Stadium. Then the track was around the football field. It isn't anymore. Um, but you would be in there and you'd look up and of course for track meets, it's not completely full and it's not an Ohio state crowd. 
And, you know, experiencing that for the first time, it, it was pretty overwhelming. Uh, but even then, I don't really think that I understood just how broad the appeal was and how deep the connection was until uh, I got away from Ohio State. And, you know, you, you start traveling the country and it's just everywhere. You know, Ohio State has more than 700,000 alumni. The pride that I feel, uh, I mean, it's it's just so different when you experience it away from being a player when you're not focused on being a player. But I, I definitely understand now exactly how deep it goes. And the the track connection for you, can you talk about that, like your history of track, how that started, what you were good at? Yeah, well, they're they're pretty different. You know, track is a, it's a very elite sport. And, uh, you know, I grew up watching Carl Lewis. You know, I remember watching the, the battles between Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson and watching those with my brother. And, um, you know, my dream was always uh, to be an Olympian. Uh, so I, I thought that I'd be a sprinter or maybe a long jumper at that point. And then, you know, as, as, as I got into high school, you know, was nationally ranked and things like that. But, you know, it's, it, it is such a high-level elite sport. You know, I ran it in college as well. Um, I wasn't jumping anymore then. And, you know, it sounds funny to some people, but I didn't have the foot speed for the 100 and 200. I was a, I was a 400 guy. Um, and so I ran the 400 uh, primarily. Uh, and actually uh, about, let's see, must have been about uh, 40 or 50 days after I got drafted by the Vikings, um, participated in the 4x400 down at, uh, down at Tulane in the NCAA meet, and we won the 4x400. We beat Baylor <laughs> that wow. year. So, um, And I, qual- I had qualified for the Olympic trials in the 400 um, right before my last year at Ohio State. But again, it's such an elite sport. I might have been top 20, 25 in the world, uh, but that wasn't even good enough to make it into to a final in the, Olymp- uh, in the Olympic trials here. So I didn't even go. I just prepared for my last uh, season at Ohio State to play football. What do you remember about being drafted in in your your rookie season? Oh, uh, it was it was amazing. You know, I, I had uh, set out my sophomore year at Ohio State uh, and was thinking about transferring. So I went out and I visited uh, USC and I visited Denny at Stanford, and and so that's how I met Denny. And on draft day, it was <laughs> it was funny. You know, I I. I remember that like in the 12 to 15 range, not 12, because that was where Jerome Bettis went. I think it was like 14 to 14, 15, 16, something like that. I had heard, I can't remember who the teams were, had some interest. And when I didn't get drafted, then I turned it off. I mean, it was, it, it's nerve wracking. You know, it took me two and a half hours to get drafted, I think, at, 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 at position 21. Um, but I turned it off and I was, I was watching Ren and Stimpy. Uh, when uh, when uh, uh, Denny Denny called, I pick up the phone and it's Denny, and uh, he he's like, "Hey Robert, how you doing?" I'm like I'm good, coach. He said, "Well, I let you get away once. I'm not going to let it happen again." So wow, uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. Um, and I remember, I re- I mean, I remember so much about the day. I remember my roommate driving me to the airport. We were listening to Lenny Kravitz on the radio. I remember it was it was the "Are You Gonna Go My Way" album. I remember. Uh, 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 believe being the, so- the song that we were driving to. It was a light rain. Um, I remember sitting on the plane 
and just thinking this is unbelievable I'm actually going to the place that drafted me because it's it's such a big moment in your life and um you know coming up here and just the fanfare and then you know my rookie season um you know it was it, it was tough for me um because I didn't get a whole lot of action earlier in the year and there were all there was all the talk about you know first draft bust and all that kind of stuff and then I started to get more action started to get more comfortable the coaching staff was getting comfortable with me uh and then December 5th up in Detroit I tore my ACL um so the, the the first season wasn't wasn't much to talk about and you know for for uh, Vikings fans out there they know that that pattern really kind of repeated itself over the next 4 years that it was just you know flashes here but injuries and you know it's just something that you that you can't really uh, you can't really prepare yourself for All right we have more to come with Robert Smith before we go to break though I want to tell you about Vikings country join host Mike Musman along with Everson Griffin at Floyd's in Victoria on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets, in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. More from our conversation with Robert Smith coming up after the break. Please don't leave. Hello and good evening, everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to Skull Stories. The guest tonight is Robert Smith. More from our conversation with Robert in a second, but first want to tell you about the Vikings app, where you can be the first to know breaking Vikings news, access video on demand, and get ticket alerts all on your phone with the Minnesota Vikings app. Download today in the App Store and Google Play. That's one way to catch a bunch of great Vikings content. Here's another way to catch Vikings content. The Minnesota Vikings and KFAN Radio have teamed up to create the all-new Vikings channel on the iHeartRadio app to hear exclusive interviews and breakdowns of your favorite team. Download the free iHeartRadio app and search Minnesota Vikings. A cool thing you can find on that app, the Wobcast, something we work on every single week. Right here in TCO Studios, we play fun games, we have cool guests, we talk about the Vikings. It's a lot of fun on the Wobcast. You can get that on the Vikings channel on the iHeartRadio app as well as on the Vikings app. All right, let's get back to our conversation with Robert Smith as he reminisces about his days as a member of the Minnesota Vikings. Right now, Vikings fans have a a defensive identity associated with their team, but when you were playing in those late 90s, it was an offensive identity. So talk about that. What was that like playing in such a prolific attack and being one of the key cogs in a prolific attack? Well, I I was happy to be healthy, first of all. Like, I mean, it it felt so good to kind of validate – uh, the draft position by Denny, uh, you know, he had always seen me as his guy, and I certainly saw myself that way uh, and wanted to be healthy to show uh, that he was right uh, and, and that, uh, you know, that I could be productive. So it was, it was great to be a part of those teams. But it was, just, it was just so crazy. I remember, you know, I wasn't a big college – I never was a college football guy, so I didn't watch up – I didn't grow up watching college football. But I remember, you know, in, in in the locker room, we would see highlights and things like that. And I remember seeing highlights of Randy Moss. And when we drafted him, you know, we already, you know, we already had uh, Chris and, of course, Jake and myself. I remember when we drafted him, like, this, this isn't going to be fair. Uh, and I remember 
that that first training camp and seeing him in that first practice and just snatching the ball cleanly out of the air and you just you just tell I mean some people just look different when you see them and they just kind of stand out immediately and I remember talking to my friend in Cleveland uh, in between the two practices and he's like how did that Randy Moss guy look like I said if the guy stays healthy he's a hall of famer I mean you could just see that he was so much different than everybody else. And then, of course, when we actually started to get into the games, I mean, it was just, it was incredible. And it was a really cool feeling to know that if we were playing the way that we were supposed to, that we could go out and do just about anything. So it was, it, it's a really amazing feeling because, you know, there are times when you go through struggles as an offense, as a unit, and it seems like nothing uh, goes right. Uh, well, well, during that four four year stretch, it was like it, we know that even when things aren't going well, if we just kind of focus on the task, that you know we can get this done. You mentioned Randy, um, you know, and he's obviously got a a great place in team history. He he was one that fans just came to really love because of the big play, you know, um, element that he had, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. You were right. So just talk a little bit more about Randy. And, you know, you said just when you looked at him and watched him, he was different. Um, but there was a lot of different things about him, right? And maybe that's kind of what allowed him to be so good, I guess. He wasn't a by-the-book guy. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily. I mean, he was freakishly talented. I mean, that's, you know, we called him freak. Um, you know, he was just so different physically. Now, mentally, I think he got better as his career went on and, and, you know, he understood the game better uh, and understood, uh, you know, kind of the mentality that it took to be a teammate uh, better uh, because early in his career, it was, you know, he was a self-centered guy. Um, you know, he had all the attention in the world and, you know, he, uh, and look, it, it's, it kind of fits the mold for receivers. You know, they, they always want the ball. Um, the team concept isn't always primary in the in the receiver's mind, but you know they were all good. They were all good field downfield blockers, and Randy, of course, fit into that. What did you appreciate about Chris Carter and what he brought to the field or to the team or as as a, a friend or a teammate to you? What what were some things you appreciated about him? Well, I mean, he was the ultra ultra, ultra competitive guy, um, and you know just. You, you always knew that Chris understood what it took, especially on game day, uh, to, uh, to go out and perform your best. You know, there is, that, 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 uh, there is some value in having the mentality that, you know, I, you know, I can be the guy. And I think any offensive guy that touches the ball has that. Um, but I think Chris, whenever the ball was in the air, like it was his. I don't care how fast a guy is that's covering me. I don't care what kind of athlete the guy is. And I just I just remember so many times on third down, if it's third and five, third and six, you're lining up Chris in the slot. Doesn't matter where he's going. Uh, and if the ball's in the air, he's coming down with it. So I mean, just the, it, it was it was really cool to kind of be around somebody like that. And and you just knew, uh, you know, in in a different way. It wasn't the athletic smooth performer running uh, that uh, that Randy was. But you knew you were seeing something different with Chris. He was just that that kind of performer. And, of course, you know, being a Hall of Famer now, uh, you know, you could just tell 
in in the same way that something was different, but it just it was something different about him that you saw that you, then you saw with Randy. The the three deep guys, the the more unheralded one, I guess, was Jake Reed. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling you would say some things about Jake that would cause some fans to be like, oh, wow, I guess he really was a valuable part of that. Yeah, there's no question about it. And and Jake, I mean, he was such an incredible balance, you know, for those two. Um, because Jake, you know, just, a, just about as humble a superstar as you'd ever see, uh, you know, a big guy, a tough guy. Um, Jake was just so much fun to be around. Um, not that the other two weren't, but it was just different with Jake. Um, and, you know, he was, he was that guy that, you know, could, could rise up and make those big plays. And once again, just kind of being a part of something like that, it's just, it's such a special experience, but man, I, I love playing with Jake too. The final season, two seasons of your career, you were playing at a really high level, your thought process. Um, to deciding to stop playing and what was ahead for you. And, uh, you know, because we've seen some other players since you've done that um, retire, quote unquote, early too. And I, I use the term early carefully because in your mind, maybe it wasn't early. It might have been right on time. So I, d- I just want to hear some of your thoughts about that. Yeah, I think it was on time. Um, and I remember, you know, my last season was the only season I didn't miss any games. And I still needed knee surgery after the year. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to be a 45-year-old knee replacement guy. And, and here I am at 45, and I've got both of my natural knees. Um, and I get reminded. I get reminded uh, that that knee that, that I tore my ACL my rookie season, I also cracked the bottom of the femur, which is the thigh bone. And the, the surface, uh, the, it, it's called the articular surface, which is the cartilage that, you know, kind of runs on the bottom of that bone, uh, became damaged in, uh, in, in that, uh, injury. And I needed to have a microfracture where they tap on the, on the, on the surface, on the bone to try and uh, regenerate some of the growth of the cartilage. Um, I believe it was after the 98 season. Uh, and then again, after that final year, and it was like, you know, there's, there's nothing in the world that, um, that it's more important than your health. Um, and if, uh, you know, you'd pay anything to get your health back if you lost it. Then what amount of money is worth a pretty good chance that you're going to lose it? You know, and the line that I always used was it's it's better to walk away early than limp away late. Um, and that's that's kind of what uh, kind of what went into the decision. I knew that that knee was was having some issues uh, and it would be better to, to walk away. Uh, I signed a five year deal in 98. I avoided the last two years. Uh, with performance incentives, uh, so I was a, a complete free agent. So I didn't, I, I wasn't under contract to the team, and that was important for me that I that I, I didn't have an obligation to the team at that point. Um, you know, that's the way that I felt about the team, and the way that I felt about Denny more specifically, that um, uh, that I'd want to finish out any contract that I was in. Uh, so it was a good time to walk away, and and I didn't want to, I didn't want to go play for another team. Brian Billick called me up. Uh, in August of that year, uh, and was asking me about, uh, you know, do you want to do you want to give it another shot? We'll send the plane down for you and wow. and 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 have you up. And if and certainly if there was anybody that I would want to go play for other than Denny, it would have been Brian. But at that point, it was it was definitely over. Okay, and, and talk about Denny and Brian and and why you felt that way. You gave us a little bit of the history with the recruiting in Stanford with Denny, but talk about those two coaches a little bit. 
Well, uh, Brian became the offensive coordinator uh, like three games into my rookie season. Jack Burns was fired as the offensive coordinator. And, you know, I was completely new to this. Um, you know, it's my, my rookie season and they fire the offensive coordinator. I'm like, they do that? They fire coaches like right in the season like that? And Brian comes in and, and he talked about uh, how it was going to be more of a collaborative process um, and that other voices would be heard. Uh, and and I got to tell you, you know, Brian, as so many people know, I mean, just as smart as they come and really dug down deep into the numbers, you know, kind of a money ball kind of guy uh, in football. Uh, and he talked about the importance of explosive plays and how uh, the 20 plus yard plays were so crucial to the success of drives uh, and, and, and how the chances of a drive being successful, uh, you know, went up dramatically when you had those plays during the course of a drive. Now, they're not always easy to manufacture, but it was something that I think uh, he found a way to do by putting the proper pieces in place and by the sequence of play calling. So he was an incredible mind as an offensive coordinator. And I think Denny, you know, Denny, Denny was like a father to me. Uh, he really was, um, you know, not just the way that, uh, the way that I met him before I got here and the things that he said, but just kind of the way that we interacted. You know, I remember going and, and, and fishing with Denny uh, on his boat and things like that. And, um, you know, going in and he had his drum set up uh, right, right in the facility and would, uh, you know, go and, and, and watch him play. And we'd talk about jazz and things like that. But when it came time to play, um, you know, I always, I always had the sense that Denny more than anybody else believed that I could be the player that he always thought I could be. And, and, and it's, and it's something special to have a guy like that in your corner. That's the head guy. And, and so it was always a, a, a pleasure and an honor uh, to be able to perform, not just for myself and my teammates, but more importantly, the guy that uh, was heading the ship. All right, everyone, that's a wrap for this week's edition of Skull Stories. We thank Robert Smith for joining us. Always fun to catch up with him, a great guest all the time. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the Vikings game on Sunday. They are at home. U.S. Bank Stadium is the place. Los Angeles Rams are the opponent. You can catch the game right here. The Vikings Radio Network will have it. On behalf of Skull Stories producer Nate Vaughn, I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, signing off for now. Have a good evening, everyone. 